0: Hi, and welcome to Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. I'm Jeremy Wartzman, and I'm here with my co host, Laura Chan Baker. Hello. While Lara is busy producing our 10th season, which will be a deep dive into the business of illustration, we're going back to our beloved open tabs format for a ninth season, loosely based on our popular event series of the same name. For the rest of the season, Laura and myself will be coming together each week and going through some of our own open browser tabs, providing an insight into the creative industry from our unique points of view, as well as the Google search results that offer an uncomfortably intimate portrait of our inner lives, or at least mine. Using the internet as our lens, we hope to explore a variety of current events, opinions, and tools to provide thought-provoking conversation for anyone whose job it is to bring creative things to life. Mostly, it's a chance for us to talk a whole lot of nonsense. Laura, welcome back. How are you? Let's not lie. We're doing a double episode. You're just as well as you were kind of thirty minutes ago. I was but, about to you know, lie.
1: I was gonna come for you, Jeremy. I I had your back there, but you just gave us away. <laughs>
0: Has anything changed in the last 30 minutes? Are you still feeling yeah, okay? No, something yeah. changed.
1: I just realized that like I'm not happy about relinquishing the role of like reading the intro like I got to do last season. It's bullshit. I got a taste of it and then you took it right back for me.
0: It is so, so sweet. Well, look, we can negotiate this a bit offline. I want to I wanna make sure that this is a positive experience for both of us. <laughs> and i think we'll jump straight into it my first link of the week oh my god i was so pleased to see this kind of (laughs) pop up again similar to the rv article we were talking about last week or 30 minutes ago the title of this one is we finally figured out who makes wiki house bizarre art and like again i don't know why this hasn't been part of like our global conversation for a much longer time but yes somebody did a investigative (laughs) journalistic report on the insane artwork that accompanies most of the kind of wiki house articles basically so if you're not familiar with it it's the, the article um, describes it great by saying the site's illustrations sometimes look like a file of clip art got shoved into a blender and then was indiscriminately pasted back together and also just some amazing points that it brought up including that wiki is probably the largest illustrator on the web at this point they have probably commissioned millions upon millions of illustrations that have been made by thousands of contributors but it was really hard to kind to find details on who these people were. And it was an interesting take on the article, really the fact that it was Google's search algorithm that kind of how they rewarded illustrated guides, which had this huge growth in content farms and how this just inadvertently created this whole new aesthetic. And then all of the kind of memes and everything that have been generated from the WikiHow articles are also just amazing. It's a really, I mean, I was surprised at the depth of the piece and the people that they were able to talk to. I mean, it's really not kind of surprising to hear who does these pieces and kind of how it all happens, but yeah, really fascinating nonetheless. Laura, did you love this as much as me?
1: I loved it so much. I'm mad that you stole it because I wanted to use it as my link. But I have thought about this so many times. I actually once did. I was giving (laughs) a talk at a conference. I can't remember. It's like an Agda thing, I think, years ago. But because I'm no designer, I never know what the hell to use for my slides when I give a talk because I'm just like crap at that. And I once just used entirely WikiHow illustrations for like every single slide that I was doing in my conference. And it was great. But there's just a wealth of absolutely bonkers
0: shit on there. It's phenomenal. So good. What do you got to kick us off this week, Laura?
1: Okay, so this week I'm starting with something called Thieve. And look, the name makes it sound shifty. And to be honest, it is pretty shifty, but I kind of love it. So if you've ever spent any time on AliExpress, you'll know that there is like a lot of terrible, terrible, terrible shit. (laughs) It's almost all counterfeit. I'd say like 99% counterfeit or just like fell off the back of a truck somewhere. But this site is so great. It just basically, they kind of catalog all the actually sort of decent stuff on AliExpress. That's like really cheap and actually cool. And I feel a bit bad because I'm sure that a lot of this stuff is like copies of products from people who actually have worked really hard to create businesses and design original things. But. Look, AliExpress exists. People are going to use it. So I'm not surprised that someone has devised a way to kind of curate AliExpress because when you try to find something on there, there's like so much crap. It's like going to the op shop. You have to scour through like hundreds of terrible things before you find anything good. And the funniest part for me is that Thieve actually do market themselves as like a tool for people who are drop shipping. I think we've talked about dropshipping on the show before. If not, can't go into it now. But oh, deep, dark hole, Jeremy. What do you think of this stuff?
0: Oh, hi. This is one of these things where I'm just I don't want to log on to because uh-huh. I know it's kind of using using cookies and other like things from my search history, and I'm kind of scared to see what it will actually serve up in terms of being available, <laughs> yeah, this makes me feel very uncomfortable for so many reasons I mean I think some oh god i don't even yeah I don't want to get into it. It's an interesting idea, but yeah in kind of it just it also makes me very depressed for kind of the state of the internet and creativity and this you know even though it's kind of very nicely packaged, yeah, I don't know if it is it's the most massively depressing user, resources. Yeah. But I mean I mean yeah, they literally called
1: themselves fave.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do you God. got? What do I got? I have a. I'm still going through the massive tabbing of 2019. There's still so many kind of end of year things that just like they seem to be getting more and more every year. And there's a new blog that I was kind of turned on to last year, which is called Slate Star Codex, which is written by a psychiatrist out of the States who's kind of developed this insanely rabid following, which I'm still trying to really understand. I mean, this is just one guy who's writing a blog with, again, very in depth posts, but it's kind of formed like this amazing community. Like there's meetups all over the world just dedicated to this blog and again just one person so it's really interesting um, this post kind of in particular I was interested in which is titled a maximally lazy guide to giving to charity in 2019 so it should have been I guess maybe for doing it in 2020 but it was a bit of a retrospective for him in terms of how he is trying to find the charities that he can kind of donate to that are going to do the most work with the least amount of work from the giver I suppose because it is really hard kind of figuring out how and where to give money and to make sure that that money is kind of being used in in, I guess the way that you intended to so yeah like I especially like you know with the bushfires and everything recently there's been a whole lot of charity and a lot of people kind of doing great work and so I think yeah making sure that you are informed and in how you donate is important and so yeah I found this kind of really interesting in terms of opening up to a few different organizations and different kind of methods from you know a more aggregator approach and for the past few years Jackie Winter has used a site called Charity Navigator which basically allows us to take you know a lot of kind of smaller charities under one resource and donate to lots of them without having to make individual donations and this has opened me up into this new thing called effective altruism which i hadn't really kind of heard before and this fund called ea funds in terms of how they you know i guess distribute their money kind of in that way anyway it's a really big piece and one of the most interesting things about this site is just all the comments that happen as well so i don't know if you're into charity or you kind of want to do something or you want to start making charity part of your practice i definitely recommend giving this a go
1: It's really cool. I've never heard of this website before, but it seems like a really in-depth post. I love it. Definitely worth a read.
0: Super, super good. Laura, what's next?
1: Okay. So next up, again, this is a resource that a subsect of people, they like all have come across, and then other people will never have seen it. And it's just phenomenal. As I said, last week. I am in the process of writing some style guides at the moment for different clients. And I have a few style guides from different companies that I have kept for ages, like kind of saved away in Pocket or Evernote. And I like to refer to every now and again to just kind of remind myself what kinds of things need to be covered and really sort of great ways of doing them. And the kind of best one of all is Mailchimp style guide. And Lots of people point to this as the kind of be all and end all of how a style guide should work. And the link I've got today is the one that's specific to their writing content. And they've put together this amazing website that goes through every aspect of how their copy works from all levels, whether it's like campaign stuff or internally or in the product or whatever, and things from like their sort of writing goals and principles, voice and tone, how to write about people, grammar and mechanics, writing for social media, writing for accessibility, all sorts of stuff. And I mean, look, all companies sort of have something like this of a certain sort of size. But this is a really great example of one. Even if you're not a writer, I think it's really, really useful to look at these kinds of things. And if your company doesn't have something, even something much you know, much more basic kind of outlined, perhaps you can push for this kind of thing to be created. Because I really, really think they're important in helping to align align everyone and sort of push a company towards a common goal.
0: Awesome. Good stuff, Laura. Thank you very much. And as always, all of these things will be in Our newsletter every week, as well as our podcast page, if you want to kind of see all these things and yet get a better reference to them. So, yeah, we're not going to talk about all the URLs, but yeah, it's all there in the back end. My next link from the week is also from my 2019 clearing out. And I don't know if I'm going to be getting through this one anytime soon. I have no idea how this was even assembled. This is one of my favorite decade wrap ups. And I didn't read many of these, but this one was from Vulture, which was 207 unforgettable comedy moments from the 2010s. And yeah, it's an amazing kind of collection and it's also amazing to see i guess how much comedy changed in this time as well like I, rem- it's like it seems like there's kind of so much happening now and it's impossible to keep up with but i remember like it seemed like Such a long time ago that like, you know, one thing kind of happened and was part of the whole, I guess, global conversation of what was kind of like a funny moment. Like, do you remember like when SNL was doing their digital shorts for the first time and like, you know, Mm -hmm. and there was like Lazy Sunday dick in a box things like that? I don't know if that can ever happen again in the same way of like, you know, something comedically capturing this much attention. So it was, yeah, it was really interesting to be able to go through and kind of see all those. Unfortunately, some of the ones are locked by kind of VPN. So yeah, you need to get your VPN rolling if you want to see all of them, but I'm I'm picking apart all of them, finding some of amazing stuff that I've never found before. And I think that's what I love about these recaps is like, yeah, making sure that things don't fall through the cracks that really are great to, great to see. Laura, do you have any kind of unforgettable moment of the decade that pops out to you at all?
1: Oh, God, that's so impossible to answer. But I think it would have to be like, I don't know, for me, Vine was like the comedy changer of the last decade for me. And I mean, now it's gone and I have sort of replaced it with TikTok. But Vine changed everything for me in terms of the way I consumed comedy. Not that being the only way, but I just, I don't know. That's a much bigger conversation for another day. I actually did go through this entire article when it came out in December because I think I was just like on leave and on leave. I'm a freelancer. I mean, I gave myself leave and had nothing better to do. And I thought it was good, but I guess it was kind of annoying and kind of inevitable that most of the moments were from like the kind of this half of the decade closer to now, because it's harder to kind of remember what happened in the first part of the 10 years. So I feel like there's a lot of things missing. And some of the stuff in there, I was like, that's not that funny, but that's just my opinion.
0: Fair enough. What is funny? Get us your next link. Anything funny there?
1: I don't know if I'd call it funny, but my next link, I feel like not just me, I feel like everyone is going to Mexico at the moment. Do you know people going to Mexico
0: at the moment, Jeremy? emotionally or physically?
1: Can you go to Mexico emotionally? I don't know. But I feel like everyone I know (laughs) is taking holidays to Mexico at the moment. And I think that's awesome because it's a wonderful country. And I'm so excited that a lot of my friends are going to share in this like culture and place that's so important to me. But my link this week is it's a page from someone's blog, which is called No Hay Bronca, uh, which means like, It's not a joke. And it's like travel stories and practical tips for Mexico. And this particular post was their like Mexican slang master list. And something I love so much about Mexican Spanish, much like Australian English, they are huge users of slang. And you kind of might think you speak Spanish, but (laughs) you go to Mexico and you won't understand like 80% of what they're saying because they use so much slang. And this is a really, really good, pretty up to date master list of some very, very common slang that you would hear all the time in Mexico all over the place and I recommend anyone who's going which apparently is everyone I bloody know to jump onto this list cuz there's some great stuff in there and it's just you know fun to
0: learn about other languages. Is there a particular slang term that you're particularly fond of at all?
1: Oh my god there's just so many but I think like what's interesting is like every time I'm back there the words that kind of mean like cool, awesome, always change. And I think that's the same here in, not just in English, but right here in my little pocket of the Western suburbs, you know, like I remember years ago when everything was mad or that's so mad or like, oh yeah, that's mean. And you know, you don't really say those things anymore. And when I was there this time, everything was chido. Oh, that's so chido. Chido was like, cool. (laughs)
0: Love it. Anyway, Moving on, my next one is also related to last week, which is a site called Alternative2.net, which is crowdsourced software recommendations. And Laura, can you guess what kind of software recommendation I might be looking for at all? Uh,
1: Guessing it's a to-do app.
0: It is a to-do app because of my dear, dear, sweet wonder list has been taking its sweet last breath in May as it kind of gets further gets rolled into Microsoft products, much like our beloved Sunrise Calendar app. Wonderless <laughs> is going, <laughs> going Rest that in way. Peace. And so, yeah, like alternative to like, I love kind of going through this site, especially like yeah, if there's a specific tool that I'm kind of looking to replace or kind of looking for a new way to do something. Yeah, it opens me up to yeah, some things that I might not have seen before. And so, yeah, it's usually it's something that's open right now because I'm simply trying to find something new. Haven't found anything yet. Still hoping to hear from people. If you have any suggestions on something that's any good. I don't think it exists. But yeah, it's a thing. But yeah, no, if you kind of I, I always find that like, if we're looking for, for example, like a new quoting app, like I might kind of put in something like zero, that is obviously a huge quoting kind of estimating app. And then I'll kind of see, okay, here's a bunch of other ones that people use. And yeah, I found some kind of really interesting things that way. I think I'm a bit more reluctant to try new products at the moment because I like, guess so many things like, you know, you do really invest in your workflow. And then when it goes, it's like, well, it's hard to start over. But yeah, I guess, you know, for anyone kind of starting out looking for ways to build your stack in that way, definitely would recommend alternative to net. Laura, what's next?
1: Okay. So my next thing is something that came from the planning dirty newsletter, which is the newsletter, email newsletter from Julian Cole. He's a strategy planner and he has a really great newsletter where he finds all these really interesting links about strategy and advertising, but it applies to a whole lot of other areas of the industry as well. And he, he and his sort of team of peers often put together various slide decks with different information. And the one that I wanted to talk about today is called how agencies make money and I just found it really interesting, you know, like I've worked for various different agencies, I work with them all the time and I guess I understood the basics of how an agency makes money or how any business makes money, but this is a really cool, very clear and succinct overview of the different ways that an ad agency might actually make money and the different sort of financial models that they could run on. And I think it's important to understand the cogs of the bigger industry that you're working within, and that can help you kind of plan your own systems as a whether you're a freelancer or a business sort of third-party supplier that works with them. And it's just sort of interesting as well to consider and to understand that greater system that you're a part of.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really funny to kind of think about that still, like a lot of us don't really understand how ad agencies make money. And like the business model has changed really radically, especially in the last five or six years. I mean, ad agencies used to make money based on kind of media buying and that's completely changed and then has has really big effects in terms of, I guess, yeah, how we work and how we engage with our clients. There's a book I think called Madison Aven- Avenue Massacre that kind of goes mm. into this in a more kind of detail. But yeah, I love, you know, that this is kind of part of, yeah, just being more transparent about how things work in our industry. Yeah, really, really Love this one.
1: Julian has lots of different slides and also just articles and whatever on all sorts of areas of the industry that are really, really interesting. And you can find some of them on Julian Cole's website, but there's only a few featured ones. You can just sign up to the Planning Dirty Newsletter if you want to get all of them. They're
0: really, really good. Excellent. My next to last link for the week is also comedy related. And I just think, I mean, this is also just kind of a wholehearted endorsement to stand-up comedy on Spotify, which is great. Messes with your algorithm, which is tough it's still great and one of my favorite end of the year recaps is on bullseye with jesse thorne um you know jesse thorne the podcast kind of godfather and founder of the maximum fun network and every year he's been doing kind of his roundup of stand-up comedy which is so great and like they publish everyone that he picks kind of on their playlist and then every year i kind of make my own spotify playlist of those albums this year was especially amazing there were just some great specials on there Jay elvis weinstein had one called chunks that i loved marcella are Guello the woke bully is another really fantastic one like they're always just so on point I mean and there is kind of so much comedy out there at the moment it's hard to go through so I love Jesse's curation of this I love kind of listening to it also just to break up all the podcasts on audiobooks like I just I just fucking love comedy it's great to listen to there's heaps of it on Spotify as well so yeah I mean this is a great entry point uh if you're looking for a kind of something I guess a bit new and different there so yeah definitely I love that I
1: I go through big periods where I only listen to comedy podcasts and nothing else, just because you kind of need that to break up work and life and in general. And why not have a laugh when you're walking the dog or on the train? But I hate to say, I had never heard of Maximum Fun. I'd never heard of Jesse Thorne. I knew there were podcasts on Spotify. I didn't know there was stand-up comedy on Spotify.
0: Yes. No. I mean, it, it and it's actually just one of these areas of Spotify that's actually really badly organized. So it's kind of like you know they don't have like you know a lot of the yeah, recommendations and kind of
1: sort of first and foremost kind of use. But yeah, I'm looking through Maximum Fun. It looks like there's some great stuff in there.
0: Well, I can't believe you've never heard of Maximum Fun. That's a, a different thing we will kind of talk about with our <laughs> you squats. You can berate as well, me later. Kind of, fun. Indeed, Laura, what do you got next?
1: Okay, so my next to last one is a thing called Story Time from Space, and I love this so much. This is a project from the Global Space Education Foundation, which is this kind of nonprofit educational group in the states. And what they do is they send children's books to the International Space Station, and then they get the astronauts to videotape themselves reading these books to you know the children of Earth. And the whole idea is that it's meant to get children kind of more excited about both like reading, but also about sort of STEM subjects. And I think it's a really nice way to kind of get children engaged, but also for the astronauts to kind of feel still linked to earth in a way. And I I just think it's such a cool concept. I'm really (laughs) interested in like weird educational projects and I love it. And I've watched a bunch of them. I find them really entertaining, even though they are children's books.
0: It's yeah, it's really good. It's, it's really hard to find like, you know, sometimes when I'm lying in bed with my kids as well, it's like, you know, you want to read them something, you just want to kind of pull out your phone and find something. And there is very little like online short stories or things that you can kind of get to. I'll end up reading like, you know, some kind of, you know, Victorian child's tale that involves like kind of like <laughs> weird murder and kids dying from like all the diseases and stuff. And then uh, look, they've got to learn sometime, vibe, Jeremy. So. Well, exactly. No, I love it. But Thanks it's for cool this watching
1: the book like float across in the space station. And I don't know, yeah, I think no, it- I was as a kid, I would find this so bloody awesome. And then they're still, me. you know, reading a book about like a dog who loves to dig holes or whatever, but it's great. <sighs> and Amazing. they're in multiple languages, too, is the other thing I should say, which is really cool.
0: Awesome. Awesome. My last link for the week is I think an open tab that a lot of people can relate to. It's like, you know, when you've bought something and you are checking that kind of tracking number and you just keep it in there, you're trying to follow the journey, see where it's at. Is it going to be? your lucky I'm day I'm waiting
1: on six orders at the moment, Jeremy.
0: Oh, my God. Well, the one that I'm refreshing at the moment is for, I think, the most extravagant purchase I've made in kind of a long time. And I don't think we've been into really kind of (laughs) deep territory. You make so many
1: extravagant (laughs) purchases.
0: I think you are grossly mischaracterizing my, um, you know, my person at the moment. I think um, that is not a very fair claim. Oh, this is a, I am very, very into sleep technology, though, and into sleep in general. Like, you know, I went through a very, very difficult period of insomnia a few years ago, and I'm doing anything I can to never have it happen again, and like really kind of looking after my sleep. And I heard on another podcast about this product, which I never heard about, but it was called the Chili Pad, and they got this a new <laughs> version of it called the Uler, and it's basically like this bed cooling pad. And so it's like you put it under your bed and it's kind of filled with water and it cools it down. You're supposed to kind of get your temperature down so you get into that deep sleep phase a bit more, which is something I have been a bit lacking. And so yeah, like I think the more money you spend on something, the more I expect like it's it's actually going to be kind of life changing and transforming. Like I haven't spent this much money on something How much in a was while. It? I don't really want to talk about it. Um, I'm going to Google was, it
1: immediately. You're aware, right?
0: Yes. I mean, I don't feel that like good about it. But like, I think, you know, there are things that I really or like where I try to indulge on. It's like, you know, things that like, anything you spend a lot of time on. So like, you know, desk mm. chairs and, you know, for me, like, you know, cars as well. Like I could do a lot of commuting. And so, and anything related to kind of bed and sleeping. So those are kind of areas that I don't feel too bad about kind of saving up for and forging on. That's but, very um, yeah, justifiable. This, I agree. This was a new one for me. I hadn't heard about it. Again, I will kind of use my Heelys to Heely into my bed, <laughs> um, strap on some of this new kind of Another sleep Another extravagant tech and- purchase. <laughs> <laughs> and I will report back. But that is it for me for the week. Laura, take I us home. What do you got?
1: Just wanted to say though, on the Chili Technology website, one of the first things that they've used like almost every like startup buzzword. The first paragraph is like, meet deep sleep, personalized, ready for the best sleep hack of 2020. Ask news experts have created this 12 question quiz to help you pick your magical sleep temperature solution. It's every tactic in one. I love it. <laughs> Hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What's next?
1: I mean, look, I can't laugh at you too much because my last link is also an extravagant purchase. It's something I really, really want, but I haven't actually bought. It's called the Chopbox and it is (laughs) the world's first smart cutting board with 10 features. It's basically just like a wooden chopping board, but... (laughs) It was done on Kickstarter and it features like all these crazy things. It's got like a scale built in and knife sharpeners and sanitizer so you can like sanitize your knives. And it's just awesome. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. (laughs) I want it so much, but it's just so expensive for a chopping board. And I'm like very aware that a regular chopping board does the job, (laughs) but I always want appliances That do weird extra things. Like once my dad spent a really stupid amount of money on a kettle that had an LCD screen. And this was like back before all kettles had like weird things. You know, now you can go to Kmart and get one for like 10 bucks that has an LCD screen, but this was like 10 years ago or something. And I thought it was insane. And now I've grown up to be the same person. I just want all my weird appliances to do something extra. And I love supporting strange Kickstarter projects.
0: Laura, this is why we make such a good podcast team because, uh, yeah, I feel you're really the yin to my yang in, in this. I, I feel you. I'm here for this. I love you. I mean, it. You, thank you. you invested in the Woolop pillow. Let's never speak about the wall pillow ever again. <laughs> and let's definitely not put any links to that woollet <laughs> ever on this podcast. I think that'll do it for this week. We will be back next week. And thank you so much, Laura.
1: You're welcome, Jeremy. Great to chat. <laughs>